Hi everyone, I'm Madeline Park, stylist and vintage fashion hound. I believe everything has a story, whether it be clothes or the people that wear them. As we're forced to sit still, I want to travel through the stories of people in other places and explore how they're stepping out with a renewed sense of style. So this is Style Stories Stepping Out, a series which continues to share stories of creative people with a strong sense of style, but from places we'd love to see and where we'd rather be. Today, I'm chatting with Boa Campbell, fashion photographer and filmmaker whose work has graced the pages of international publications, such as Vogue, Marie Claire and Grazia. Boa is of Euro-Japanese heritage and currently calls Tokyo home, but her unique upbringing in an Australian commune gave rise to a nomadic spirit and bohemian flair that is intricately folded into all she does. Whether she's collecting vintage obi belts, sporting geometric streetwear, or simply applying a careful hand to her creations, Boa's style takes a gentle nod to Japan whilst telling a vibrant and eclectic story. And it's her style to tell this story with depth, passion, and thoughtful consideration. I hope you can sit back, relax, and enjoy listening to Boa's story. Hello. Hi. How are you doing? I'm well, thank you. How are you? Yeah, really good, thanks. Um, I just realised that I haven't got my headphones in, so um, we might just have to wing it. Yeah, have you got your AirPods in? I don't actually. I'm just, I'm yeah. I'm just completely going off speakerphone. Sorry. <laughs> All right. Well, let let's just wing it, shall we? Um, I Boa, I was introducing you before. Uh, basically, your your fa- fashion photography work has graced the pages of many international publications like uh, Vogue and um, uh, Marie Claire and Grazia, um, and you know you've you've worked with big international brands like Fendi and um, Sephora uh, and Valentino, just to name a few. Uh, But you describe yourself as a curious uh, dreamer nomad, Uh, but (laughs) you're originally from Australia, correct? Yeah, that's right. Um, I'm actually from, um, I, I mean, I was, most of my life, I guess I've lived in the Melbourne urban side of it, but I actually grew up um, in a, I guess you could say, a predominantly off-the-grid community um, growing up. So that's, yeah, that's a bit of fun facts. But <laughs> what, did, what, did, what does that mean, off-the-grid? Like, what did that look like for you? Okay, so, um, and some people were probably more off-the-grid than others, I suppose. But as far as we were, um, so I guess back in the 80s, 80s child. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so that meant um, solar power. Uh, it meant um, the water was getting uh, drawn from the mountain spring. We had water tanks, that sort of thing. So in that sense, we were sort of off the grid. Um, yeah. yeah. So it was, yeah, definitely, definitely a different way of growing up. <laughs> um, it's, it's almost like a, it, it, a 70s kind of hippie childhood <laughs> um, <laughs> description, but you're, you're a, you say that you're of Euro-Japanese heritage. Tell me about that and what it was like to live in this community um, with, you know, your parents from different places. Yeah, it was definitely definitely a, a, a weird one, an interesting one, a curly one. But, um, yeah, it, it was very, 
definitely very unique way of growing up, I'd say. Um, I mean, everybody's unique, of course, but um, it just felt a little bit, I don't know, a little off the beaten track um, compared to a lot of the friends that, you know, I have around me today and, you know, the friends I've had for years, you know. Um, so yeah, it's, 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 it was definitely, definitely different like that. Um, culturally it was kind of like having a little Japan at home cause mum was quite firm on, you know, holding on to her Japanese, uh, culture. Whereas dad, you know, he was, he's quite this open-minded fella, you know, I mean, they weren't, you know, dress wise, I mean, st- style wise, I-, I can't say that they looked like hippies really, but, um, yeah, I guess the whole, you know, that commune era in like the 70s and stuff um, yeah. was sort of influenced by that. I suppose he was sort of this little organiser at a commune somewhere in the city in Melbourne. Um, and there he met a group of people who formed this community. And yeah, so and it still exists there today. So um, and do they still live there, your parents? No, they don't. Um, yeah, we, they kind of went separate ways when I was about 10. So, right, okay. Yeah, so I think the house is still there and it's kind of interesting. I went back there after years and just saw this massive wooden sculpture, mush, mushroom sculpture in the front yard and I thought, oh, okay, yeah, I get it. <laughs> it looks pretty cool, to be honest, but, you know, um, it seems to have definitely evolved from the sort of more original days of people just going there to sort of live um, a bit more of an off-grid life. Um, so you, you're obviously quite young. So you, did you live there till you were 10 years old? Is that right? Uh, yeah, probably 10 or 11, something like yeah. that. Yeah. I mean, obviously that's a really critical age for kind of forming a sense of who you are and, you know, um, where you belong. And I, I, I'm guessing, like n- not ever having actually been to a commune, but I'm guessing that it's, it's very, um, very communal and very, like there would be a very tight sense of belonging, but, your sense of identity kind of would might be feel quite fixed within that um, community. Is that how it felt for you or? Um, with... That's a really, really good question. Um, and it's a question that, you know, I've, you know, gone through, you know, a lot um, growing up and, you know, and I think the, the, that cultural duality of the Japanese on my dad's side, it was like a British Scottish heritage Australian, but that sort of mix of cultures sort of added on to that sort of sense of being a little bit between worlds, um, and yeah, a little off the beaten track, and yeah, definitely enhanced all those things to have those different cultures going on. Um, yeah, yeah, definitely different for sure. And we, because we had our own little um, primary school there as well. Uh, which had maybe 30 kids maximum at at the most. So, um, you know, and I I think a lot of the time that was spent, you know, in nature, you know, learning about bushcraft and things like that, which was probably quite different to the average state school. Uh, Yeah. So, and that transition of going from 30 kids to what I thought was huge, like 300, 400 kids. Yeah. in the transition from, you know, primary school into high school was pretty huge. It was definitely, I think that first of all, the cultural duality thing, um, definitely. I mean, when I speak to others who grew up in a similar situation with two very contrasting cultures, um, yeah, that, that sense of identity, um, and building your own character and figuring out who you are. I think it just took me a bit longer, took me a bit longer and you know it, it can it can make you feel a little bit mm, 
a little isolated at times because you sometimes you feel like you're surrounded by people who seem to just have a very strong sense of who they are culturally uh identity wise um and you know and and being in a uh country town area you know um transitioning from the community life there was definitely that sense of like well what are you are you an aussie or are you a japanese like what are you like it was yeah. that kind of vibe sorry that accent it's 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 a, <laughs> it's a thing <laughs> it a little bit and, and talking to you has brought out my Aussie a bit more because I, I, I'm a voiceover artist as well so I yes can... I know I know yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was definitely it definitely took longer it just took longer so is that where the nomad part comes in then because you obviously like in kind of preparing for my interview I kind of gleaned a bit of places that you've lived um uh, and you obviously you, you kind of had this kind of nomadic disposition that you describe yourself as, but you've lived in Sardinia, you've lived in um, India, and obviously you're now in Tokyo. But do you think that that kind of those transgressions to moving to different places and living in different cities was all part of the, the kind of later discovery of identity for yourself? Um. Yeah, I mean, I've got to say that really when I started to feel a much stronger sense of who I was was probably mid-20s onwards, really. Mm. And, yeah, I mean, I'm still figuring out myself in many ways. I mean, maybe <laughs> so, I, I do overthink as well. So, um, you know, I don't know. It's I think this duality and the way I grew up as well probably um, made me a lot more sensitive and um yeah just very just very vibey on with people and spaces and things like that and really feeling things on quite a deep level so you know and then when you're self-critical as well thanks to also the Japanese side that's definitely a thing um yeah yeah so mm, so it was definitely a challenge so Obviously, then you're saying like you kind of um, developed a very strong sense of empathy and human connection and was like that was pro the prompting of like a desire to travel and meet people from different places. You've got very pretty eyes, by the way, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I Does put on makeup today. <laughs> We're um, in lockdown, so, <laughs> you know. <laughs> Gorgeous eyes. Um, Thank you. Yeah, definitely. Um, it's definitely um, informed a lot of my work, without a doubt. Um, that sort of deeper sort of sense of feeling and um, um, connection with people, and yeah, it's it's um, yeah, and the, and the experience living abroad and traveling around and stuff. It's it's definitely heightened all those things. So, so tell me about <laughs> India and living there, and what you know you you got from that experience. Um, from you know uh, uh, we, we've talked about identity a little bit but you know like uh, even style wise like what what did you kind of glean from the color of that place well it's you know it's interesting you sent me this uh the mood board that you sent me yes. <laughs> yeah I can see you've got some nice vibrant pops of color there <laughs> um I've done my best a little bit by the way I've just I, I, I really I love orange lately <laughs> thank you for someone that um, is like whose work involves like a strong creative direction, I, I thought you would appreciate that. 
<laughs> I, do, I do appreciate it. I think there was a slight reference to India in the mood board. There was yes, a, there a, was, there was from behind. <laughs> She's onto it. She's onto it. I love it. Very thorough. Very thorough. Um, yeah. So those those rich colors um, are are just. I mean, I'm probably speaking in a very cliche way. I'm I'm really not very good with words generally. I'll just put that out there. But um, yeah, I mean, India's sense of colour and, you know, it's just so incredibly vibrant. Um, I I wish I could send you this picture that I took on my phone um, in a train um, and there's all this big line of women and it's just this huge, just wash array of colour. It's just incredible. Um, just in, extremely vibrant colours, you know, and contrasting different colours and patterns. And, of course, you know, those paisley, the classic paisleys coming through as well. And, um, yeah, really, really, yeah. So it, it, that's that was definitely to my liking. I was definitely drawn to that aspect. Um, and did you find that that started to filter into your work? Definitely. Um, I've always been super-duper into, you know, colours and just being very vibrant and um, very contrasty, um, whether it's in lighting or uh, the composition or the colours. Um, yeah, so it was it was hugely, hugely inspiring. And I guess I got to be a lot more self-indulgent uh, in India too, because I guess that's a very much a thing there. Yeah. Um, as far as the, I mean, as far as the traditional dress goes, but when you see some of the the new designers popping up that are heavily referencing their traditions, but but um, pulling it off in a very maybe sports luxury kind of way, you know, it's 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 really amazing. So you have these kind of uh, super edgy um, sort of sports couture type designers, you know, where they have these amazing sort of geometric cut jackets, but then it's heavily uh, colorful and you know, and maybe they'd be like embroidered, you know elements from their from religion like their gods or things like that it's very interesting it's very interesting um yeah how things have evolved yeah um, yeah amazing in terms of your your travels did you move directly from india to tokyo that's right <laughs> it's it's a big contrast right massive yeah, it was it was huge it was it, it was it was a huge contrast um uh definitely tell me how that happened for you yeah well um so oh you mean the move itself well you know like how how does one go from living in india to to going and living in tokyo like what 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 was drawing you there or what was drawing you away you know what was that process for you well um yeah, to be to be really honest, if we talk about matters of the heart, um, my my dad passed away probably around 2016, and um, I guess the India chapter, if you like, was sort of a bit of a reaction to that. But it was something I really wanted to do before that, because um, I visited India for the first time when I was about 20. You know, mum's back in Japan; she's left Australia, not because of my dad, because they've been you know separate ways for yeah. a long time, but. Yeah. Um, so I thought, okay, well, maybe I should at least be in the same country as my mom and maybe debrief all this crazy traveling that's happened in the past years. And did you travel to Japan as a teenager with your mom? Like, did did she return back home with you when you were younger? 
Yeah, um, she tried to sort of, um, I mean, she always wanted to go back um, regular as regularly as she could, um, which probably meant like once a year or once every two years. Um, so I often travelled with her uh, yeah. over the New Year Christmas period. So we'd spend a couple of weeks there and travel around a little bit and see family over there. And yeah, and it stopped for a little while. And then I, you know, started going back again. And what, what about your creative work? Because I like, you know, obviously, Tokyo and, and various parts of Japan are kind of known for really um, a, a distinct um, creative scene and, and incredibly inspiring from the particular aesthetic that it promotes. Mm. Uh, how has that um, come out in you since you've been there? That's, yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I think I, I definitely feel a sense of a Japanese-ness in a sense that I feel drawn to the traditions in, uh, in a very creative, predominantly a more creative way, um, mm-hmm. as opposed to sort of conforming and, do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. If that makes sense. So, you know, everything from the, the, the cultural um, traditional dress like the kimonos and things like that which are obviously extremely iconic thing um, and I'm sure it's informed a lot of fashion all over the world um, and then you've got the, the Harajuku style thing this sort of extreme yeah. subculture thing going on as well um, I love going to like secondhand um, kimono places and just buying oh, colors they're perfect <laughs> yeah I thought you might like that I thought you might like that so you can see the golds and and this is one of the you know the obby like the, that belt part in yeah, the, yeah um so I actually collect these I shouldn't space wise uh I shouldn't <laughs> be doing that so I ruthlessly had to do what, it a, what a beautiful thing to have a collection of yeah are you, are you into <laughs> this sort of aesthetic Oh, well, I love vintage clothes and um, vintage fabrics. So that that's my jam. I, I love modern contemporary clothes, but I love having um, an accent of vintage in, in the way I dress and the way I see things because I think that they're the historical points of interest in the way that someone can put a look together. So you can still look very modern and contemporary, but the, the vintage pieces are just, yeah, those beautiful points of interest that can shift something from generic to completely unique um, and give give a look a story. So, you know, Obi Belt's a perfect way to do that and all those beautiful vintage fabrics that you just yeah, don't find anymore. Definitely. Um, and, I mean, I, I mean, something like this is probably more on the modern side as far yeah, as... Yeah, it's got quite a 60s, you know, um, feel to it. Yeah, you know all about that. Um, <laughs> I think that sort of wave kind of thing was quite a thing. I think I've seen them like on curtain prints and even yeah. couches and stuff like that. Yeah, pretty cool. So, hey, that's cool that we've got that little reference there. Yeah. With your, with your Not even intended. <laughs> things. From someone that's living there, that spent a lot of time there in and out growing up, what does it feel like to... Um, to, to go shopping and and what are the values of the fashion industry um in in tokyo at the moment look speaking for myself i mean you could probably just tell from you know the way i dress uh, generally I'm, i mean i'm not really so much focused on myself as far as fashion goes i mean i don't wear makeup nads i don't wear makeup um like most of the time well pretty much never um and i think 
a lot of the focus goes into the work that I'm doing. Uh, so as far as fashion goes, I'm definitely concerned about, you know, if it's a, my own creative direction for something, um, you know, then I'll be heavily looking into trend reports and, you know, runway and things like that and what's happening mm -hmm. on next season um, uh, to help me understand the direction we're going to go. You know, are we going to go for something like a retro vibe thing? Are we going to do sort of more 80s geometric type thing? Um, so in that sense, I'm, I'm really deeply interested in what's happening. But for myself, you know, again, I'm, I'm very much a recycled clothing person, um, yeah. you know, for the clothing that I wear. Um, and it's not just a, you know, easy on the pocket thing, because I just, I, just, I just think it's crazy how much money gets spent on clothing, especially when it's new. So you work with a lot of fashion brands. What and, and obviously you're cre you're helping kind of um, partner with them to create a, a direction for their yeah. campaigns and um, and their advertising work. But what are their like? What's their kind of sentiment? What's the like? Especially at the moment, having post pan well not post pandemic, but you know, as you guys are coming out of lockdown. What what kind of things are you seeing um, consistently coming through the industry purely from your work perspective? Um, as uh, as far as work over here goes, and well, just in terms of trends um, and priorities, like what what's the message that they um, that your clients over there are wanting to put out? Well, um, the thing is, again, probably that between world thing happening again, I do seem to have clients from different walks of life uh, yeah. as well. So for instance, you know, one day I might be doing something that's more, um, you know, around sort of natural makeup or something like that. The next might be an eyelash extension company. The next might be um, a surfwear brand or something like that. So, um, and then you know, more high fashion editorial or something like that another day. So it, it really, really, it's, it's really varied. <laughs> yeah. So it's kind of hard to say. Um, but as far as uh, looking at Japan's fashion in general these days, I mean, I can only speak of, you know, things that I've heard from stylists that I've worked with because they're really, you know, ahead of the game and they really know the market so well. Um, but they say that Japan really does, is all about, being bold, particularly in the the streetwear, the, the the street style and casual sense of things, so right. that it seems to be very heavily focused on that. Um, and especially, I think that's also reflected in the the labels and designers that come out of Japan. Um, you know, uh, yeah, definitely bold streetwear vibe, um, yeah. as opposed to like couture. Yes. Yeah. yeah, it might be much more heavily felt. Well, definitely huge, huge over in Europe, and um, so yeah. And do, the locals, do the locals prefer to buy um, Japanese brands that are like designed, made in Japan, or do they crave that international flavor? Well, it's it's definitely a mixed bag that I see. I mean, I can only comment from what I've seen, um, but. I mean, there are definitely there are definitely people in the market who want to, who seem to want to, who seem to go towards you know American brands, for example, yep. um, and really want to show that in their their sort of style identity, maybe. Um, yeah, so that's definitely felt where there's that sort of craving for that that foreign look, that Western look, if you like. Sorry, I'm terrible with words again. <laughs> <laughs> You're all right. 
surprised if there's some comments saying that's such a weird way of saying it, sorry. Um, but then there's some people who would be really um, wanting to be very traditional in the way they dress, but in a modern sort of way. Yeah. Um, so they might borrow from their traditions, but then execute it in a very modern way. So you see these girls walking, walking around with kimonos that have very almost European prints on them. Um, right but still the kimono silhouette, but then they've hitched up the the length. So it's more like a sort of a mid-length dress and then they'll wear high heels with it. Right. That sort of thing. Right. So okay. It's, it's really all sorts. Um, and then you have, of course, the, the those deeply subcultural types, um, you know, that Lolita vibe fashion, you yes. know, you have happening you have the the gothic style and everything in between so so getting into your style bar um it's funny because when I look at you like you know your profiles and what have you and I try because I try to glean a sense of what somebody's style is before I interview them I would almost say that it has a bohemian edge um yeah. but <laughs> they also the way that you describe your own style uh you know, there, there's a lot of contrast in there. So you either like black or really bright colours. You like, you know, relaxed, layered shapes, but then you might, like, venture into tight kind of sexy um, silhouettes. Um, you know, I hazard a guess that the kind of kind of bohemia might be a throwback to your early childhood. <laughs> but maybe. <laughs> what did what do you think your style says about your story? Yeah, um, I guess because, you know, I, yeah, I mean, obviously the, the bohemian sort of typical sort of bohemian forms seem to be quite um, more, more relaxed, but then you'll probably have these beautiful vibrant colours and uh, possibly um, more earthy patterns and things like that, depending on the direction you go with it maybe. But um yeah, definitely that side um, is, is yeah, possibly some kind of, wow, this is really good questions, really good, <laughs> really great. <laughs> Making me think about myself in a different way all of a sudden. So I'm very much put on the spot in many ways. <laughs> That's the thing about um, speaking about my own personal style, I suppose. I mean, um, there are days that where I just want to wear all black, but if it's all black, it tends to be probably more along the lines of like quite minimalist and um and sometimes quite geometric um mm. for example i love i loved uh, some of the older season um adidas y3 mm. so to explain not that i bought it but just to explain the sort of like so yeah. you know very bold forms contrasting colors geometric shapes and then other days it might be quite flowy and bohemian so Again, yeah, definitely. It's it's very psychological, very much so. I mean, yeah. it's it's uh, as superficial as people might find, um, you know, topics like these or discussions like these. I just think, you know, it's a huge part. It's a huge part of a person's personality. So moving into, you, you, you referenced your voiceover work before. Now, I listened to some of it and I kind of got... Um, Bo, I got taken away by your voice. Your voice, especially in your your voiceover work, it has that transformative effect. You know where I 
as soon as I heard some of your campaign work, I was like, oh, I feel like I'm on an aeroplane and I'm going somewhere into the future and there's something so exciting about it. There's an anticipation in the way that you create um, a scene and a story uh, through your voice. Um, is that something that you're quite aware of and does that come out in other forms of your work? Um. Yeah, um, that's like such a great uh, interview. You're amazing, really. Uh, such fantastic questions. Um, I mean, the, the kind of questions that I think a lot of people should be, you know, thinking about more about it's uh, especially when they're, you know, involved in creativity and stuff. It's, it's, it's an awesome thing. Um, yeah, so well done to you. Um, <laughs> yeah, hats off, hats off. Um, but yeah, I, I definitely think so. I definitely think so. Um, I don't know if I'm doing it intentionally, but okay, maybe I am because if I was to say, have a discussion about what sort of images I like making um, yeah. and what sort of images, if I have any influence over the direction of a particular shoot or something, um, whether it's a short film, a short story film, or whether it's a, a music video, which I really want to do more of, to be honest, um, mm. or a fashion campaign, especially these days with the whole pandemic situation, I think there's a lot of tension out there. That's for sure. I mean, there's a lot of tension out there more than before. And, um, you know, and if, I don't know, maybe, maybe, maybe people would say, Hey, it's, I mean, it's just a fashion campaign or it's just a fashion editorial or, you know, it's, 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 um, it's such a commercial superficial thing. Like why, I don't know, maybe some people might think it's a bit, I don't know. Uh, a bit negative to to see it this way but I, I really don't I just think we're making images for people we're making images for yeah. people and we want those images to um, evoke a particular emotion and if if that emotion can captivate that person into some sort of depending on the direction of the um the shoot or um the the, the narrative or whatever it is that I'm I'm voicing um it, it should it should allow that person into some sort of narrative or a fantasy and captivate them that way not I mean and of course if the the clothing's beautiful too that's that's important I mean yeah. um not beautiful clothing sorry I'm not articulating myself well here I should have had a coffee before I started but <laughs> I had a Barocca instead to up my vitamin B but anyway um <laughs> so yeah I think um it's I feel like it's almost it's my it's my job to try do my best to create a particular fantasy or a story that someone can get lost in a little bit even if it's just a flicker of a moment just to look on a, a magazine or a billboard or wh whatever media format it ends up on I mean I think people want to be captivated people want to get lost in something um and um you know directions have changed there's that sort of more cinematic way of sh shooting these days and um and a more raw sort of real way um yeah so whichever the direction you're going with it i mean i just think people need to be captivated and and want that more than ever these days what the feel of tokyo is at the moment and um you know, how you are wanting to start to move around and travel, especially now that there's, you know, there's talks of travel vaccines and what have you in Japan where your liberty to move is going to be a bit more free again. Yeah. What's the kind of sentiment for 
you know, that you're hearing around the traps and also for you particularly? Yeah, there's definitely, I can definitely feel a bit of tension in the air, but I think um, compared, we've had it pretty lucky here. I mean, I don't want to, I should say lucky because I think um, we haven't had the strict lockdowns that Australia, um, America and many other countries have faced. We just haven't had that. We haven't been forced into our home to stay in our homes. Right that level of lockdown just has not happened in Japan. Yeah. So, And I imagine for someone like you who's travelled so much, you know, and, and travelled so consistently for work, like I wonder, that's why I guess I'm, I'm asking, how does that feel for you? And, and are you just like ready to go? Are you itching to get out to other countries? Or have you just loved being able to like, you know, still have your freedoms but um, travel around Japan and what have you? Yeah, I mean, uh, it, it, there's, def- it, there's definitely been um, sort of less encouragement to even travel to different prefectures around Japan because of the pandemic. Okay. I, I, it hasn't stopped people. It, I'm sure it's reduced it quite a lot, but it hasn't stopped people. And some people just have to go for work as well. So, um, you know, uh, in a situation where maybe Zoom meetings are not possible or whatever it is, but... Um, and work has probably work in other prefectures might have been um, postponed as a result. But um, yeah, I mean, like I said, we haven't really experienced such a restriction on um, moving around. Uh, public transport stayed the same. You know, nothing's changed in that um, in, on that side of things at all. Um, yeah, I'm sure there's a lot of people experiencing that desire, that itch to really get out. Um, and then of course the oncoming Olympics, you know, there was a, I'm sure, you know, there was a huge, um, sort of question on that for, you know, whether it's going to actually go ahead or not. Um, and of course, hugely mixed feelings from the general public. And I, and and as I said, I really don't stay in the news so much. So I can only comment on what I've heard directly from people. Yeah. So in terms of your travel plans, like last question to you, Bo, what's, what's the kind of like where would you love to go and what would you love to be wearing um, moving forward? <laughs> well, um, you know, uh, I mean, yeah, I mean, just to sort of repeat what I said before again, just just so you know how much I really don't spend that much time on my own fashion sense. I actually just I actually put this on for you, by the way. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but. Um, but yeah, um, I, I'm, I'm just, I, I do, I do love um, design. I come from a graphic design background. I mean, I love um, to look at fashion, especially on other people and in my work. So I always look forward to knowing how things evolve in that, in that sense. Um, and yeah, going to vintage markets, going to secondhand kimono shops that are run by like you know, old ladies and from their house and things like that. But, um, yeah, I mean, as far as travel goes, um, I can't say I'm, I'm hugely itching to travel because, I've you know, this has been sort of my, you know, cool off period and to sort of really establish myself here because, uh, you know, I hadn't really lived here uh, for a long time before um, in the work that I do, with the work that I do, I should say. So, yeah, um, it's been good to sort of just make me more focused on just establishing myself here. So, um, but I can imagine there's a, there's a lot of people who want to sort of get out and um, have that freedom back um, to travel. 
but if yeah i mean turkey's on the list um <laughs> uh, many places and i'd love to go back to iran again that'd be awesome um yeah so many places i'd love to go to um south america like patagonia would be amazing yeah yeah, um, yeah but um yeah i can't say there's any urgency at the moment but um you know because it's, it's it's embarrassing how many places that other people have been to in japan that i've never visited before um yeah. you know being half japanese so maybe that's that's also the calling um and i probably want to sort of also just make a mention that you know that's a huge part of why i'm living here too like i really wanted to um highlight and put forward a lot of japanese talent work with more japanese artists and show japan from a different angle um that's yeah that's been a huge part of my mission here as well so it's been keep focused on that um then be distracted by traveling and things like that which have been a huge part of my life before um yeah. but will still continue to be a huge part i just yeah i just i just need to settle a little more i think <laughs> well, I look 40, forward to so, yeah um, <laughs> yeah so I, it's, yeah I, I was just gonna say i look forward to seeing um you you know you showcasing more japanese talent and artists um and and fashion uh and thank you so much for joining me today and being part of this series you're amazing thanks for having me you're an awesome <laughs> person it's been fantastic and very thought-provoking talking to you I, I didn't know what to expect and yeah it was, it was fantastic it was an absolute pleasure I hope to have the coffee with you in person someday oh uh, my goodness it's on my yeah I would love to come back to Tokyo so come. <laughs> when I can I will don't you worry amazing yeah definitely hit me up for that and keep in touch yeah I will do if you like style stories but are looking for a little more connection, please come and join the Style Story Circle, a Facebook group I've created to provide a community-minded space where you can discuss the latest episodes, get social, and share your style and your story.